Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Okay, so have you heard of the Lovejoy columns? Some old-time Portlanders might be nodding their heads right now, but if they're new to you, just know that these public drawings are considered to be the very first instance of street art in our city. They were hand-drawn by a Greek immigrant working in the train yards back in the late 1940s. And a new project in the Central East Side is hoping to carry on their legacy. So today on CityCast Portland, Tiffany Conklin of the Portland Street Art Alliance is walking us through the history of the Lovejoy columns and the wide-scale tribute she and her crew have been working on. It's Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. People who are just listening to us and they're like, I've never heard of these Lovejoy columns. Could you explain like what makes them so special to someone? Like if you were about to maybe give that tour yourself and be like, this is why this is awesome. Yeah. So it was the Broadway Bridge, I believe. And one of the ramps of that went over Lovejoy and it created a viaduct kind of like we have here in the Central East Side where the Hawthorne Bridge and the um, Morrison Bridge go through the city, and there's columns underneath the bridge, right? So um, that used to exist over in Northwest Portland for, gosh, many, many decades in the early 1900s um, into uh, more recent times. And there were rail yards under there. These columns were under there, and there was a man Tom Stephanopoulos. Uh, I can't pronounce his Greek name, uh, but everybody called him Tom. So I'll refer to him as Tom. He was a watchman for uh, the rail yards and he worked for SP and S Railroad Company back in the 1940s. And during his idle times when he was waiting, kind of like the train switcher, you know, making sure things went in the right spots and didn't collide with each other. Um, So he had a lot of downtime. And in between uh, that downtime, he would draw on the columns and he would use streaker marker, which is basically like a wax crayon, which is an implement that railroad workers use because it goes onto metal really well to mark the trains with. He would use that primarily. And he created these beautiful images a lot of uh, Greek mythological gods and creatures from their stories and their ancient traditions. Um, he drew some classic Americana, inspirational statements, uh, doves, things like that. And they were protected for many decades because of the overpass of the bridge. So even though they were done with wax, which is actually a pretty durable thing to use, and just a little bit of paint, they stayed up for many, many, many decades uh, and kind of became a staple, um, you know, a fixture in the Portland landscape. One of the reasons that got me really interested in them is because they're actually 
most likely Portland's first instance of graffiti documented in our historical record. Really? You would think that it would have been before, because I mean, that was like what, the 40s, right? Yeah, the 40s. I cannot believe that because, I mean, I'm sure it's like the first that maybe survived. Right. I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you look back, there's stuff on the Oregon Trail, um, but that's like, you know, on trees and uh, stumps and things Mm -hmm. like that along the way. So that predates this. But in terms of city of Portland, things that survived, this was the oldest thing that survived. Um, The second to that would be the Malcolm X mural in Alberta, which dates back to 1981. And then the Art Fills the Void Banana mural on Division, Mm -hmm. which is 1982. So with the columns, um, they think that Tom created those, that artwork uh, back between 1948 and 1952. So that's a pretty big stretch back there. Yeah. I mean, that's also like a 30-year gap between the next thing, which is, I I don't know. So, like, be, because, like, street art precedes the streets, you know? Like, expressing yourself is a human need. And, I mean, they found graffiti among the ruins of Pompeii. So what Tom did with the Lovejoy columns, it's, like, nothing new. But, like, how we perceive street art has changed. Uh, like, we venerated it in a way, mm-hmm. you know? We also have great organizations like Portland Street Art Alliance connecting Artists like Tom with resources. So like, when do you think that shift happened? Because I'm just like, 30 years is a big deal. Yeah, well, I mean, you're spot on in saying, you know, technically speaking, graffiti has been around as long as humans, you know, have been uh, able to hold something in our hands. Here, you know, if you're talking about the modern day type of street art that we see really started, you know, across the world, pinpointed back to New York City and Philadelphia in the late 70s. Um, And it didn't kind of come over to Portland until the 90s. But that's not to say people were not painting traditional community murals before Mm -hmm. then, right? So we're just kind of talking about more modern styles, specifically done with uh, spray paint. So um, yeah, it's it's a very, very long tradition. And, uh, you know, it's just it changes over time with our, our sensibilities and our tastes and our aesthetics. Tom's paintings were very traditional looking. If you look at them now, you know, you wouldn't see murals of this type very often probably being done nowadays. Um, they were very simple. The Hellenic American Cultural Center and Museum has a really nice exhibit. It's the Greek Orthodox Church on Gleason. There's an exhibit there about Tom, and I believe it's a permanent exhibit. They also have an online exhibit. So you can go there and um, see it in person or, you know, peruse on online and see photos of his artwork. They actually did extensive, what I'd call almost like archaeological drawings and documentation of them before they were demolished. Probably thanks in part to groups like Riga and the Friends of Lovejoy column, um, because they were just making such a fuss about them being demolished. Yeah. That, you know, they sent some archaeologists out there to at least document what they were before they were gone. When were they demolished? It was about 25 years ago that they were lost. So let's do the math on that real quick. So, you know, I think it was actually earlier than that because it was, must have been in the 2000s or 1990s. We'd have to fact check that before we say that. <laughs> so the viaducts were demolished in 1999. That sounds about right. You got that? Okay, great. <laughs> but in 2005, two of the original columns were placed. So like basically 
the viaduct was demolished, but they saved two of the columns and they moved them over. Yeah, they actually saved almost all of them, Okay, but only two of them are now displayed in public space. So if you go over to the Elizabeth Loft Courtyard in Northwest Portland, two of the quote unquote best columns were erected and put behind glass in that courtyard of that. It's like an apartment condo complex there. Um, But the artwork that you see on those is not the original. The original has faded away, unfortunately. So I believe those are reproductions of the artwork on those columns. But it's really nice. There's a nice interpretive plaque with some information about the, the history and significance of it. But actually, the columns, the other columns were saved, and they ended up in a pile off NATO Parkway. Mm-hmm. Who knows, that pile of rubble might actually still be out there. That's crazy. Uh, so basically, if somebody would, like was listening, they're like, oh, I want to see these columns. They don't technically exist where they used to be. You have to go somewhere else to find them. But you can find all of the artwork online. And possibly this rubble is still there. Yeah, it was right along the train tracks. So a big pile of rubble. You can kind of tell it was columns. You know, you see the rebar in them and, you know, they're still kind of the form of what they were. (laughs) So tell me about this project you have underway on the Central East Side. So you're painting the columns on the columns. Exactly. And where is the location again? Yeah, so it's underneath the Hawthorne Bridge at Madison Avenue and Water Avenue, right there at the intersection there. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I know where that is. Yeah, so um, we have been wanting to do the column murals for many, many years. Uh, we brought this up to to the city of Portland and Rack. Gosh, it must have been eight years ago now. And they had already been on, in conversation about painting the columns in the Central East Side. Uh, it took Rack organizing everybody and getting all the players in the room. You know, you're talking Multnomah County Bridge Department, engineers, structural folks, legal folks, all all sorts of people at the table. Um, It took them six years to get a plan in place in order to be able to paint the columns, legally speaking. So luckily, thanks to RAC, that happens. And they started a first wave, which is called their Under the Deck Project, uh, which are four columns underneath the Hawthorne Bridge along Madison. And we were so excited to see that happen. We knew we wanted to try to do some of our own. So we kept an eye out for grants, as we do with these types of projects. And when the right one came along from Travel Portland, uh, we applied and we pitched this idea uh, along with another mural in the district. Uh, So we were able to paint four columns uh, last year, at the end of the year, we worked through the wet weather. Uh, Hayden Center, uh, a local muralist in town that we work with, he paints really soft, beautiful images, and he can also paint hyper-realistically, which we knew we wanted some depictions of Tom Stephanopoulos in the columns. We didn't do an exact reproduction of the Lovejoy columns. We, we didn't quite want to do that, you know, even though artistic copyrighters certainly ran out at this point on Tom, we just felt like it would be better to kind of do like an homage or an ode to the Lovejoy columns, because there's so much other cool imagery out there, like Tom himself, of some of Tom's other artwork. I should mention he was a master penman, which back in the day was kind of a marketable trade, uh, you know, he had the most amazing calligraphy. Oh, and he would, gotcha. So he had fancy yeah, writing. Okay. I was like, what is a fancy. master penman? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. He, he would uh, paint on like bank vaults with, you know, gold leaf and really spectacular stuff. If you go to the Hellenic American Cultural Center and Museum, they have some of his 
his actual personal artwork. He was a struggling artist, which again, kind of also tied to some of the reason why we wanted to do this project is because, you know, just like today, he, he was struggling to make ends meet. He lived in a little tiny studio in Northwest Portland. Um, he was a, a Greek immigrant, so he was here by himself. Um, I don't believe he had any of his family here with him. Um, and he struggled to make his way, and he was he couldn't make it as an artist. And that's why he ended up um, working for the railroad companies, because he couldn't make ends meet just off of his, his art alone, even though he was absolutely spectacular at it. Right. Okay, well, let's take a quick break here. And when we return, more on the Lovejoy columns. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It's interesting that Tom chose this, kind of this medium that that a lot of outside artists tend to take when they're expressing themselves, which is like public street art, because, uh, you know, I know you you said he's like a, a master penman, but he was a he was a trained artist. Like, he wasn't just someone who's like, I like to doodle. Like, he studied art. And that's why his stuff is like so hyper real and, you know, and it had so many classical influences. And I find that really interesting. Like, at what point do you think that people started taking his art seriously? That is a really good question. You know, I'm not sure if that's in the historical records per se. Um, You know, they were allowed to remain. So, you know, for over 50 years, they were underneath the bridge and preserved. And for the most part, in pretty good shape. When they did that archaeological study to document them, there was a couple places where you could see people had added to um, his artwork. And, um, you know, (laughs) we, um, yeah, we still see that today. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, but for the most part, they were preserved. So to me, that tells me on some level, they were loved and respected, you know, by the general public. They were also immortalized in some of our classics. You look at Elliot Smith. He had a music video filmed there. Um, I believe it was uh, Lucky Three. Wait, hold on. Did you call an Elliot Smith video one of the Portland classics? Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. It's just, I was like, classics? And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> like you know, Elliot Smith of 90, 94. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, it, it is kind of a classic at this point in my head. So yeah, rest in peace, Elliot Smith, I guess. And then also Gus Van Sant, drugstore cowboy had. I was going to ask, I was like, didn't Gus Van Sant? I'm like, let's talk about real classics here. Wasn't yes. Gus Van Sant doing some? <laughs> oh, wait, so it's in drugstore cowboys? I don't remember. Oh, now I'm going to go check it out. Yes. 
if you're listening to this and you're you're kind of new to Portland, please watch Drugstore Cowboys. If you're just like, why is Portland? Just watch Drugstore Cowboys. I think it's going to explain a lot, and I think it's going to um, reorient you to where you live. That's all. Um, also, you're going to see a lot of cool buildings. You'll be like, oh, I know where that is, you know. So you can see these in, like, if you wanted to see where they were situated in their real positions uh, before, you could see them in an Elliott Smith and, you know, a video. And then you could also see them in Drugstore Cowboys. Can you see them anywhere else? Online at the Hellenic uh, American Cultural Center Museum's online exhibit would be a good place to go. We comb through that for some reference imagery and then if you really want to d- dive in deep, um, the Oregon Historical Society, they have an amazing little research room up there. It's a perfect thing to do on a cold, you know, rainy day. Go up there, ask them to see stuff from the love dry columns, and they'll give you a box of stuff. You'll have to put on white gloves. Oh, I love this little And you gloves. can flip yeah. through it. <laughs> yeah, you can flip through it yourself. So we had one of our staff members go do that and, um, you know, get some good scans of the images. And we gave all of those materials over to Hayden Center, the muralist, uh, to come up with something fresh and new. So to kind of remix things. Um, So you can see those two columns now down there underneath the viaduct. And that's in the mural district as well that we've been working on. So that's actually Portland's best concentration of murals as well. So you can stroll around there or scoot or bike or drive, whatever, um, and see a lot of fantastic public art from local and regional and visiting artists. That's awesome. So what, I'm, I'm curious, like what ended up happening to, to Tom, the artist? So he actually lived a pretty long life. We found that, that he um, had actually passed away at the age of 98, and that was in 1971. And sadly, he is in an unmarked grave in Rose City Cemetery. Nobody knows where he is then because it's unmarked? Uh, Well, it's unmarked, but how those things go usually, if you go dig into the cemetery records, they'll have maps and it'll tell you where it's at. It's just unmarked. So Tiffany, what if your next project is to find where he is, get another grant from someone and like... Get a a mark, get like a a tombstone or a marker that has his artwork on it and that actually has his name and like a place people can pay their respects. That would be so cool, you know? That would be really awesome. It'd have to be a very artistic tombstone for us to be able to uh, (laughs) make the case for that. But yeah, I mean, we would absolutely love to be a part of that. Actually, the Friends of Lovejoy columns, um, it was documented that they were trying Mm -hmm. uh, many decades ago to do that very thing. So yeah, someone should really pick the torch up and try to to make that happen. Maybe we should just do a little intervention and, and put one up ourselves. Uh, <laughs> we're just saying putting it out there that is like the perfect gesture for you know this beloved portland street artist is to to mark his grave with more street art before we wrap up i'm curious what the eventual scope of this viaduct mural project on the central east side is because i know it it contains the, the lovejoy murals as you said homages to that what else is going to be in there i'm curious we actually painted two other viaduct columns um, this past year, too. One was a partnership with Ground Score Association, uh, which is a collection uh, or a group uh, that collects trash and um, cleans up the central east side. And it's made up of people with housing insecurities. So we worked with them to design and paint a column 
uh, honoring the work they do. And then we also painted a column uh, honoring the Portland Dragon Boats from the Rose Festival. Oh, cool. That was by request of a nearby property owner who sponsored that column, uh, North Rim uh, Development. So, um, yeah, we have big plans. We have another wave of column painting hopefully happening by this summer. Uh, that is sponsored by the Central East Side Industrial Council through a grant that they got from Prosper Portland. Um, so hopefully in that wave, we'll be painting five or six columns. Uh, Killian Pacific is also sponsoring one of them. Uh, those will be located a little closer to the Willamette River, though. So underneath the bridge between Water Avenue and the river is where those are going to go. And then later on this year, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll also have another perhaps up to eight columns painted underneath the um, Madison Hawthorne Viaduct. We're going to keep going along Madison to fill it in as much as we can because we're really excited for that visual of having artwork on all of the bridge columns underneath one of the spans. And once we get done with that one, then we'll we'll see if there's enough grant support out there uh, and support to, to make other bridge viaducts as colorful as Madison will be hopefully soon. Well, I hope you get all that money because I, you know, I love what you guys do. I've been following your work for a while and I just love that you're also making these types of artworks, things that feel like a bit like, oh, I'm getting away with something, but you're doing it in collaboration and, you know, with the city and you're getting the right permits, you're doing all this stuff. And I don't know, I just feel like people don't seem to understand like the immensity of street art. This wasn't wasn't like commissioned by a monarch. Like it's not for a company wanting an <laughs> ad. It's like for the public to enjoy. It's like for you. And I just find that so beautiful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're commemorating Tom's memory, him doing basically just that, like expressing himself and wanting to share, you know, this beautiful thing while he was wor working a job that he probably hated. <laughs> and you're, and you get to continue that. I hope that we're able to commemorate him even further and we, we, we find something for his grave because that's bothering me already. <laughs> Knowing that he's out there, there's nothing that marks where he, you know, his final resting place is kind of a bummer. Right. Yeah. I think that would be a really lovely gesture. If we went out there and just did it, Metro might have something to say about it, though. So my permit brain makes me think. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> your legal permit brain. What if you just cover your ears right now and just like, listeners? If you make it look really legit, they might not notice. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about doing something illegally. That's not even, I don't even understand that. No idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Tiffany, so much for hanging out with me and, and sharing uh, the joy of the love joy. Oh, my God. Let me say that again, because that was I was like the joy of the love joy columns. Didn't even mean to do that. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Roll with it. Well, thank you for, for telling us all about it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Claudia. It's been great chatting with you. And now for some events coming up this weekend. First off, happy Avatar, the last airbender Netflix premiere to all who celebrate. If you know, you know. 
Tomorrow is the start of the fourth annual Northwest Black Restaurant Week. This year, there will be close to 20 Black-owned restaurants, food trucks, bakeries, and more to discover throughout the Portland metro area. This could be a great time to explore the excellent African-American, African, and Caribbean fare Portland has to offer. Also, Pine Street Market in Southwest Portland is hosting the Great Portland Beer Festival, featuring over 30 breweries in the metro area. That food hall also has some great eats, so you won't be drinking on an empty stomach. And both Cinema 21 and the Hollywood Theater are continuing their showing of Oscar-nominated shorts. I try to attend at least one screening every year, so maybe I'll see you there. For even more local events and news, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw all links in the show notes. Well, that's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>